Pastor Xavier Reese and the only solution to sin. The echoes of our sowing and reaping are hard to stop. Only God can stop them, and unless He does, eternal echoes will become a variable hell, for eternity will be the echo of time. The lost in hell will suffer the torment of eternal echoes of their wicked deeds, thoughts, and words. But God can stop the echoes and will for all who put their trust in Christ. The promises in the Son. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. These days, faithfulness almost seems to be an anti-virtue. Today, as he continues his study in the book of Ezekiel, Pastor Xavier helps establish the importance of staying true to God's Word and His way of life. Right now, let's join Pastor Xavier for today's Simple Truths study. The message is entitled, Ezekiel, the Faithful Prophet. The prophet Ezekiel has delivered several sermon messages through this demonstrative charades. We looked at the colorful prophet already. The purpose was to communicate God's word, as you know. And uh, as he would communicate it as clear as possible, since they were deaf to the voice of God and blind to the things of God, God called them to do these charades. God's love being demonstrated, his, his patience, his long suffering for his people. And so... What I want to do is to focus on three areas that will provide with us evidence of the faithfulness of Ezekiel. First, the theology of Ezekiel. Secondly, the visions of Ezekiel, and then the book of Ezekiel. And these three should give us sufficient evidence of his faithfulness. That is not exhaustive, but it will whet our appetite so we can see and be grateful to God for this man who was faithful in the difficult ministry that he was called to. The theology of Ezekiel. First of all, the prophet Ezekiel reveals man is rebellious towards God. The people of God had rebelled against him, and so had their fathers. In the opening chapter, chapter 2, verse 3, he tells them that. as He calls them to be a prophet. The elders had secret uh, place of idolatry, as we saw in chapter 8, uh, verse 7 through 13, in their heart, in their secret place, thinking God didn't see what they were doing, yet God sees everything. The false prophet has seduced the people uh, the 13th chapter is very, very clear. And so the prophet Ezekiel's dumbness came to be, so he gives the sign sermons. They were not only to predict the future, but they were to indicate God's withdrawal from the people. God was silent towards the people, a form of judgment. And then God would open the mouth of the prophet once in a while as the people would inquire of him, because that was another purpose of the sign sermons, that they would look and do these charade things. They, what do you mean? What, what are you doing, Ezekiel? And it would provoke Inquiry in chapter 3, 26 to 27, he would shut the prophet's mouth and then he would open it up different times. Ezekiel reveals that God holds every person then responsible for their sins. Ezekiel the watchman in chapter 3, chapter 18, chapter 33 deals with in three chapters. The watchman is responsible for delivering the message. The hearer is responsible for responding to the message. The Lord will judge every person according to the provisions of that proclamation for the forgiveness of sins. No one can add to that proclamation. No one can take away from it. It is alone sealed by the hand of God. The glory of God is witness departing from the temple, as you know, the cherubims, over the east gate, the threshold, and then out to the Mount of Olives in chapter 10 and chapter 11. God does not look kindly on those who seek him while living in sin without any intent of repentance. This was going on. 
Ezekiel's faithfulness to confront these men. Listen to it. Ezekiel 14, 3 says, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts, put before them that which causes them to stumble in iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of at all by them? The answer is obvious. The question is rhetorical. No. And yet God says, let them come, and I will answer them according to their idols. Whoa. There comes a time when people keep playing games with God that God will answer them according to what they're really worshiping. Deception. Jeremiah 23, 28 says this. The prophet who has a dream, let him tell his dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is shaft to the wheat, says the Lord. In other words, the word of God has always been the plumb line for examination of truth regarding God, spiritual things, angels, sin, man, and redemption. It has never changed. And so the theology of Ezekiel is very consistent with the whole of Scripture. Next is the visions of Ezekiel. Again, I've told you before that the visions fall into three groups. The first one is chapter 1 through 3, the visions of their judgment by God resulting in their captivity, dealing with their past sins. There were consequences. Um, the data is given to us 592 B.C. as we looked in the first chapter. Uh, we the, Ezekiel saw just the vision there of the whirlwind, the north, the great cloud, raging fire engulfing in color of amber and all. Just the awesomeness of God, which again, he ends up on his face. Many of us, we said, use that for UFOs. Uh, but if they look at the context, it explains itself that their cherubim, later on, uh, the prophet tells us himself in chapter 10 that their cherubim. Uh, so if you really look at the book of Ezekiel and you study it as a whole, you can't mistake in that for UFOs. And yet these um, creatures, uh, they, they're there and they, they, they have four faces, four wings, and the face of an ox, the face of a lion, a man, and that of an eagle. Um, we believe um, typifying the four Gospels. Uh, Matthew portrays Jesus as uh, the king of the Jews, the lion. Um, Mark as a servant, the ox. Uh, Luke as the son of man, the face of a man, and John as the son of God, the eagle. They're also found in the book of Revelation, as we've noted. The visions emphasize God who sits on the throne, ready to judge his people, not angels. He gives angels as, as a vision for Ezekiel, but it would be the judgment directed of God. He is sitting there on the throne with the rainbow, his everlasting covenant of promise, and uh, Ezekiel recognizing his sovereign authority to judge. He falls on his face once again. The vision was also Ezekiel receiving this call as a prophet, as we saw. He didn't call himself. He's faithful. Often people come and tell me, they say, you know, well, God has called me to do this. God has told me to go there. What am I to say? I go, well, let me pray for you. Each person is responsible for what God calls them to do. Time will let you know whether you called yourself or God called you. He did not call himself. He was faithful. He anointed them. He gave them the content. He gave them the message. Gave them the specifics. Gave them protection. It wasn't easy. But God was faithful, so the prophet was faithful also. He was charged as the watchman over the city. In chapter 3, awesome responsibility. The vision of sins against God resulted in the departure of God's glory Then the second grouping. In chapter 8 through 11, dealing with the reason for their present judgment. So the first section was their past, now their present judgment. And so the vision came to Ezekiel, as you know, as he was sitting there in his house, and the elders came to him at the beginning of chapter 8. Because they've seen these charades in chapter 4, chapter 5, the sermon, the besiege on the city, and, and laying on one side, the other side, and, and then prophesying to the mountains and, and, and everything else. And they're inquiring of him. 
And so the vision had four parts from chapter 8 to 11. The first part revealed the particular abominations and the judgment, as you remember, in chapter 8. Of the image of jealousy, Tammuz, the worshiping of the sun, and God would have no pity upon them. This was in the very holy of holies, the area there. And, and these were elders. The second in chapter 9 revealed the slain of the wicked by calling the uh, six angels that were put charge over the city, the seventh man in linen with the inkhorn, to mark on the forehead of those who were righteous, objecting to all the evil that was going on. And as he did, then the angels would go through and wipe out all those who had no mark. Ezekiel cried out, Lord, will you destroy all the remnant? The man in linen came back and said, it is fulfilled. The third is in chapter 10, revealing the glory of God departing from the temple, as you know. The cherubim filled his hand with fire and scattered over the city, and Ezekiel watched as the glory was over the east gate, slowly leaving, departing from the place that was meant for God, but was full of idols. The fourth in chapter 11 revealed the judgment of the elders, the fact that God would be a sanctuary to the captives, and the fact that he would regather Israel in the last days, giving them that new heart and the one heart and the new spirit, confirming Jeremiah. The prophet was faithful to give all that as the people are rejecting. They don't want to hear it. And I think unless we, we put it in its context, we just take it so lightly. But we should thank God for these men that were so faithful. But we have the same charge. We are to be faithful. And people, when you tell them that God is coming, when you tell them that God uh, will judge all sin, that God will hold everybody responsible, you're not going to be looked at very friendly. <laughs> but that's our responsibility. The vision of their sin in chapter 40 to 48 being removed by God, resulting in the restoration of the glory in the kingdom, dealing with their future reconciliation from sin is that third grouping. The purpose of the vision was to reveal the future glory of the new temple. In the first verse of chapter 40, the vision was uh, the 25th year of the captivity and the 14th year after the captivity of Ezekiel. So again, you can track Ezekiel. His faithfulness to date his material is real easy to follow and to verify, to cross-reference. The vision of God took Ezekiel to Jerusalem on the high mountain. He saw there in the south uh, a structure like a city, uh, around verse 2 of chapter 40. And the man appeared to Ezekiel in the likeness of bronze and linen of flax, measuring rod in his hand at the gateway. And he told Ezekiel to look and to listen to everything he was going to declare to him about the house of Israel. It's very specific. It applies to no one else but the house of Israel. The measuring rod was a cubit, 18 inches, usually from your finger to your elbow, average of 18 inches. The rod was about 10 feet. So that's the increment that you have to multiply those things. If you do that, most believe that this is the temple during the millennial kingdom. And in fact, if you don't see that, then it's impossible to fit it into the present geography of, of Jerusalem today, as I'll show you. And so it's not the temple of Solomon that he's talking about. It was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. It is not the temple that was erected by the remnant that came back with Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. It is not the temple of Herod, which was really the temple of Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah, which was beautified. So there's only been two temples, not three. The original Solomon and the one after captivity. Herod's temple is not a third temple. He only expanded it and beautified it. The third temple to be rebuilt is during the Great Tribulation, as the Antichrist begins the beginning and he declares himself God 
in the middle when he betrays his covenant. So there's been two, there's one temple to be built by the Antichrist. This is the fourth temple, which is during the millennial kingdom, okay? The sacred area for the oblation is 25,000 rods by 25,000 rods. That's 45 miles north and south in the same east and west, covering the area between six to seven times of modern London. So there's going to be a big change in the earth. Remember, when Jesus returns, he stands on the Mount of Olives, and it splits. And a river flows out, and one goes to the Dead Sea and heals it, the other one to the Mediterranean. There's going to be a big uh, change in topography. Uh, Jesus is going to be into construction come the millennial time. The sacrifice during this period baffles many people in chapter 43. The only way we can explain it, and we could be wrong, we don't, we're not given the reason why, but the only way we can explain it that these sacrifices are probably commemorative of the sacrifice of Jesus because Jesus will be reigning. And he's the Lamb of God and all sin has been put under his own blood. So there's no need for anything more. He died once and for all. Now, we could be wrong, but that's the only way we can really explain it. They have to be commemorative, at least from this perspective right now, because everything is under his sacrifice. The sure thing is that the glory of the Lord returns and never to depart again in chapter 43, verse 1 through 7. Here we see it leaving. There at the end we see it returning to never leave again. And the Lord's throne will be there and he will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever, it says in 43, 17. And the name of the city from that day on will be called the Lord Yahweh is there, Ezekiel 48, 35. Yeah, Isaiah says the Lord's name will be the Lord to sit canoe, the Lord our righteousness. <laughs> He will reign. The word of God records in the Bible that it is God's revelation, not man's. Very, very clear. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, you know the scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Theopanusos, expired from God. What you have in your lap, ladies and gentlemen, is God's revelation, not man's. He revealed it. He's the one that gave it to these men. So he made it known. But the method by which God did that to make sure it would be inerrant and infallible was to impart it through the Holy Spirit to these men. And the apostle Peter helps us there in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, as he says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation, for the prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, Almost every translation translates it, it's not of any private interpretation, which is a bad translation, including the New King James. This is what it's saying. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any human origin or impulse. In fact, the second verse this defines it as such. He says, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved, carried along by the Holy Spirit. So in other words, God chose certain men at a certain time to speak his revelation and record it. So the speaking for this revelation, that it's his, and the recording of it is inspiration so that it's inerrant and without fallibility. So what you can do is to come to the word of God and realize that this is God's revelation and not man. This is God's mercy and love for us, able to keep his word. The warning to not add or take away from the word is clear throughout the scripture. Let me give you three that are very, very clear. And they are progressive and they are severe in their proclamation. The first one is Deuteronomy 4.2. You shall not add to the words which I command you, nor take away from that you may keep the commandments of the Lord Yahweh God, which I command you. So from the law, the Pentateuch, you're not to add or take away. 
The second one is found in Proverbs. In Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his word, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. You're not speaking for God. You're contradicting God. And the last one, as you know, is found in Revelation 22, 18 through 19. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone asks of these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in the book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. If God said it only one time, it would be enough. <laughs> these are three strong warnings. There are many more, but these will give you a good idea as they are at the beginning, at the end, and in the middle. Can God speak to us through dreams and visions today? Yes. The Bible says so. Now, some people freak out about that, but the protection is in the scriptures. The word is the measuring rod. If you think God speaks to you through a dream or a vision, don't come to me for interpretation. Joseph said dreams, interpretation belong to God, right? So you go to God, and you ask him, Lord, is this you, or is it just that I had some bad pizza last night? He will not contradict his word. He will not add to it. And the dream and vision you have is not in the same authority as the word. You understand? What he speaks to you is personal. And you're responsible for that. Because you say God spoke to you, right? Let me give you the scripture for dreams and vision. Peter quoting Joel on the day of Pentecost. And he speaks on the day of Pentecost. And he goes all the way into the tribulation period. He makes no distinction. This prophecy is from, from the day of Pentecost to the time the Lord comes back. Listen very carefully. He says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says the Lord, and we are in the last days, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my manservants and maidenservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Acts 2, 17 through 18, quoting Joel 2, 28 and 29. Now, I've never had a dream. I've never had a vision that I know of. But I'm open. But if I did, I would judge it to the scriptures, you understand? It wouldn't be in addition to the scriptures. It wouldn't be taken away from the scriptures. It's not an equal par in authority of the scriptures, all right? But God can speak to me. But he speaks to me every day through his word, you understand? And his word is what would judge my dream or my vision. The visions of Ezekiel were inspired by God, not his own will. Faithful man. Difficult things to record. Difficult things to say but faithful. Lastly, the book of Ezekiel, and this will tie it together. The book of Ezekiel reveals the visions and commissions of Ezekiel, the prophet. He did not call himself. This is very important. Today, many people are calling themselves to ministry. They're depending upon their education, their ability to be CEOs on church growth methods, everything else. And so people just start up a church. And you know what the problem is? They're successful. They can gather people together, and they think it's God doing it. That's the problem. Ezekiel was called, enabled, sent, anointed. The years proved that out. I did not call myself to be a pastor teacher. God called me. 32 years down the road, it's still his work. No one's ever pressured to give money. No one's ever begged. No one's ever pressured to do anything. God asked to the church. People grow. People move on in their lives. It's great. The Lord is good. When he's ready to close it up, if he wants to, he does it. Then I'll grab my Bible, find a church that teaches the Word of God, sit down, and learn like everybody else. No big deal. 
It's up to him. The book of Ezekiel also reveals the present judgment of God on Jerusalem were not his words. Um, as you go through, you see the very detail of all that was going on, the reasons for it in chapter 8, 9, 10, and 11. The judgments that began, uh, they were all before the fall in the chapter 4 to 24. The various things that he reveals, the fact of Ezekiel's wife dying at that time when the Jerusalem would be sieged, and then someone would come to tell Ezekiel that, that it had happened. It would be the very same day in chapter 24. He speaks about it. 33 is confirmed. Uh, just amazing things. There's such detail of his faithfulness. The book is just a, a great witness to him. Thirteen times Ezekiel dates his prophecies and his visions, all in relationship to the captivity that happened in the year of Jehoiachim, as we saw. Thirteen times. The book of Ezekiel reveals the future judgment of the nations, too. God knowing the future alone. Uh, daring to venture out to give such details, uh, naming Moab, uh, Ammon, Edom, Philistia, Tyre, Zidon, Egypt, uh, the future of Israel in 33 through 39 that is just amazing, warning the false shepherds of, of their contradicting the word in chapter 34, the judgment of Gog, Russia in chapter 37 through 39. Uh, if you think Russia is done, hang on. She's still building her armament. She will attack Israel, and she will come in, in the last days. Aren't you glad you have the scriptures? <laughs> the book of Ezekiel reveals the final vision of the future temple. The new temple, Lord, detail to an incredible uh, minuteness of things. Uh, the new services describe the new uh, tribal division and, and God's reign upon the earth. And it declares the boldness and the confidence of the prophet knowing that it's God who's revealing these things. And he's basing all this based on his own lifespan of what God has done through the prophets and in his own life. And standing firmly upon the one who knows the end from the beginning, he can very boldly declare the things that God has given to him for the future generations. Aren't you glad? And thankful for Ezekiel. One put it this way. The echoes of our sowing and reaping are hard to stop. Only God can stop them. And unless he does, eternal echoes will become a variable hell. For eternity will be the echo of time. The lost in hell will suffer the torment of eternal echoes of their wicked deeds, thoughts, and words. But God can stop the echoes and will for all who put their trust in Christ. The promise is, I will forgive their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Jeremiah 31, 34. There's the provisions, ladies and gentlemen. There is no other way. There's only one way that God will honor us, in the Son. We are most faithful when we are true to God's Word, to study it, to obey it, to apply it in context, to depend upon it for the authority of our lives, for life and practice, everything. Listen to Joshua 1, 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night, that you may observe to do everything according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That is the only provision that we have, the Word of God. You get away from the Word of God, you get away from God. You don't use the Word to judge things, you become the judge, and you'll miss the mark. The book of Ezekiel is a testimony to his faithfulness as a prophet. And so next time you think of Ezekiel, put it in the context. It wasn't pie in the sky. <laughs> These three areas have provided the evidence of the faithfulness of Ezekiel. The theology of Ezekiel is very consistent with the whole of Scripture. 
the visions of Ezekiel are inspired by God, not his own will. And the book of Ezekiel is a testimony to the faithfulness as a prophet. Hmm. One of many faithful. Pastor Xavier Reese and three important truths for staying faithful. Today's message, Ezekiel, the Faithful Prophet, is available on CD for just $4. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is Ezekiel, the Faithful Prophet, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. What's your responsibility as a Christian? That's coming up on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 